Hi guys, welcome to Singled Out, a podcast where we discuss the hardships of single life in the Jewish community while also discussing tools about making the most of it. One of the really nice aspects of making this podcast has been that it's allowed me to be introduced to and make connections with some really awesome people who I would not have otherwise known or come in contact with, but am recommended. That being said, a difficult lesson that I have to learn and I'm still working on is not to take rejection personally. That just because I or somebody else thinks of a great guest to have on, people can and do say no to me about being on the podcast. And even though it's hard for me sometimes, obviously that's fair and valid. This lesson actually came up for me more recently when I wanted to have on Javi Garfinkel as a speaker on my show. For those of you that know Javi, I need not say more, but those of you that don't, she's an incredibly inspirational speaker and teacher, and I definitely encourage you to check out some of her stuff online, specifically on how open, super real, and genuine, and hysterical she is about singlehood. But after rejecting me... Again, totally valid. And hearing what the podcast was about, she told me that as a policy, she doesn't do interviews, but that she has a really awesome person for me to have on. And that's actually how I was introduced to today's speaker, Goldie Adler. After my initial phone call with Goldie, what struck me was the opportunities she's involved in and lessons she's learned throughout her singlehood. I was also so impressed with how open and vulnerable she was able to be with me about them. So much came from our session together, but because of time constraints, I had to narrow it down to three main topics, which I think will really demonstrate how self-aware and growth-oriented she's become in this stage of her life. The three I chose to share today are... Number one. Her battle with weight, specifically in the area of dating. Number two. How and why she donated her kidney to a complete stranger. And three, her 30th birthday party, which she coined a 30th and thankful. Although that piece is mentioned more towards the end of the segment, I titled this episode after it because, as you'll see, Goldie really exemplifies what it means to be thankful while living in the age she's in now. So here we go. Goldie, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to have you. And even though we've never actually met, I mean, we've spoken a few times, but I don't know, like maybe it was weird. Like I just reached out to you and I was a total stranger. I don't know how you found that. <laughs> but, um, so when I heard it was from Heavy Garfield, I already felt like, okay, like this is, I'll hear you out. And right. The reason why I even agreed to this, even after, even after we chatted, yeah. is because if I go back to this past where she shot his davening, the one thing that I kept saying to Hashem is Hashem, you gave me an opportunity to give life to somebody else, which as we're going to discuss mm-hmm. soon, I gave my kidney this year. I want to do that again and again and again and again and again and again and again this year and forever and ever. So yes. if I have an opportunity now to give life to other people just by sharing just my own journey and my own, my, my own life story, yeah. um, like to me, I find that just Hashem's this is an opportunity from Hashem to give back. That's such a beautiful way of like looking at opportunities yeah. for sure as ways like kind of to keep giving to the people. So it's really nice for you to be part of this. And just from our phone yeah. call, I know that I've gained a tremendous amount and I really think our audience will really gain so much from hearing from you. So thank you. Thank you. And also Chavi Garfinkel was always my inspiration. The only way I'm able to be single and sane. Single and sane. Oh, I like that. Single and sane. <laughs> I would say probably single and insane, but um, it's all thanks to Javi. No, she's just inspirational. uh, And one thing that I want to also add, if you're okay with it, is in the episode notes, maybe I'll just like add some type of link to the download that you sent me from the lecture she gave at your birthday party, which I I listened to like at least two, three times already. And it's long. And I, on the way to work, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I need to hear that again. Like it just was so impactful. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah, she allows me to share it. So yeah. So maybe you can start just by giving us a little background into where you are, where you're from, and what you're up to now in life. So my name is Goldie, Goldie Adler. I'm born bred Lakewood. I'm almost <laughs> 32. 32 just, I'm excited for that number. 31 is like unstable. It's like 
an odd number. <laughs> um, so I'm a nurse care manager, which in English is, I do telephonic case management um, for Centers Plan for Healthy Living. We have a satellite office in Lakewood. So you still live in Lakewood now? You're living on your own now? Um, yeah, I've been, been here for almost uh, two years in this new place. It's been eight years since I moved out. And you like it? Oh my gosh, I absolutely love my own apartment. I make Shabbos here all the time for a bunch of so years. Nice. Yeah, back from even eight years ago, I remember I like, yes, have girls over, and that's when I was in my like lower, like I guess mid, lower mid twenties, and like now it's a whole different group. Like you know, yeah. as as the years go on, you know, there's different energies that I want to bring together in my house, and whether it's younger girls who need more TLC or older girls like check with as equals or girls that are somewhere in between or yeah. people that need places for Shabbos, whatever. That's so nice. Can you explain how I guess you would identify hashkafically? And I mean, I personally don't yeah. like labels and things like that, but I think sometimes because the podcast interviews a lot of different types of people from different walks of life, sometimes it's helpful just to gain perspective in terms of where someone's mm-hmm. coming from. I should identify as a firm, solid liquid girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I care about halacha. I, I care about my relationship with Hashem. The Shaduchim scene where there's a whole range of people, they'll call me yeshivish. Right. Because I'm learning that if you're like, that's just a, a term used for a, you know, just a certain type of firm kind level, but in Lakewood, Yeshivish means so much more than that. Okay, so you mentioned that you know, you've been dating for a little bit of time. Can you maybe share with us what your experience with dating has been like? Okay, so my dating experience, I started dating at 21. Mm-hmm. Um, it was more just like people that knew me thought of ideas. I don't know if I should bring this topic up right now, but we made, um, like, we made yeah. Shadduchim extremely challenging, I believe, is being overweight. I was overweight, you know, my entire Shadduchim until like three years ago. And being overweight in Shadduchim is... Is, it's a different experience than not being overweight in It's like two different lives. In what way? Meaning, what was that like? Well, in general, you know, the, the, the kind of guys that I read are usually, listen, they're all, they're all wonderful people, but they're not on the mark usually for what I'm looking for. Personality, ashkafically, they're more, they just said yes, let's say, either because they're a guy who's having a hard time in dating, not because he's a bad person, someone who's wonderful and phenomenal, just not necessarily what I'm looking for you know, has something really strange about him or, or even a guy who's phenomenally wonderful and, and, and top of the line, but I was really young and the guy was divorced, which again, I, I happen to love divorced guys. The quality guys that I've dated have been divorced, the really high quality ones. And I recognize that divorce, divorce is just, it's just something that happened to them. And they could right. they kind of grow from the experience and be the most phenomenal person or they can fall from the experience and not be, you know, ready for marriage right now. Yeah. But it definitely was painful to be read things that like were so different from what my friends were being read. Particularly because you were overweight, that you were being read those yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll even relate a story. Like the, most, the most painful story that happened in regards to weight and shidduchim was someone who, again, I forgive her 100%. She completely meant well. She's yeah. a great person. So basically, I dated a boy. We dated twice. It was nothing major. Just a regular second date, you know, or third date. And the boy told the shadduchim, I want someone just like Goldie, but not Goldie. That's all he said, or that's what she told me. And she said, so she said to me, I make up that he wants someone just like Goldie, but like a skinnier version. That's what she made up. So she tells me this on the phone and I'm like, I don't know, 24, 25, however old I was. I remember hanging up with her and just crying and crying and crying and crying and crying and crying. Mm-hmm. And then she went on and gave me her, what I call the weight sales pitch, right? Which I, I completely blocked out from my memory. I don't remember what she said. Whatever happened after that line was just like too painful to even process. I just nodded my head and said, mm-hmm. thank you, thank you, thank you. And then hung up with her. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was young then and it was... Oh my God, so people, at this point in my life, if someone were to give me that, I think, I mean, listen, I'm, I'm not, I don't, you know, I wouldn't call myself overweight right now, but, but if someone would even go near that right now, like even if I became overweight overnight tonight and someone did that to me tomorrow, as, you know, 
the person I am today, I would just say, I'm not comfortable discussing this right now. I know you care. Please respect my boundary. I'm not, I'm not oh, comfortable discussing you. this right now. I'm a lot stronger in the way that I could just shut, shut down someone appropriately. If it's not yeah. something that they're, they're, they're uncomfortable, you know. No, I think discussing. that's great. I think for sure in dating, you, you definitely learn more about yourself and like how to come across and be clear with other people. I mean, I'm sorry that that happened through such a, like that sounds so painful. Wow. That's really rough. That, 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 that was definitely a whopper, but I definitely forget for anyone. I think about it, like I, you know, I have a little log on my phone called like never forget the pain because I don't want to be one of those people that gets married and forgets the pain of Shadduffin. Mm. So I have like little, little like things that just were painful. So I just keep a little log, not for a negative, just for like, so that in the future I could be able to think like Hashem for where I am. Yeah. Empathize for sure for other people and for myself as well. Like Hashem, I used to have, you know, I used to have that kind of pain and like, I'm so grateful that I don't have that anymore. Do you find it keeps you stuck in that pain? Or are you really just using oh, it what, to reflect? I, mean, I, only, I only think about it when something really painful, painful happens. happens I'll to open you. it up, jot down, and be like, story with. Close the thing, forget about it. As opposed to the other list on my phone that's called Hashtag Practice List. That one is a running mm. log since 16 years old. So that's why I hate going to Shadchanim. I literally have like Shadchan trauma. So mm. I, go, I go as infrequent as needed. A rabbi says I have to go. So I go once in a while, literally to the Yotei Shabbos. Like, to me, Shadduchim is not my life. Shadduchim is an important part of my life in terms of quality, like, yeah. but it doesn't take up quantity in my life. It's, it's like literally that. like, it's, it's, not, it's not taking over my life. It's not my life. My life is so much more than that. You know, one day when the right one rolls around, then I hope it'll take up more quantity. And because it's a very vulnerable area, I believe that to protect, like, my own dignity, I had to become more cynical, which is such a sad thing because I'm such a positive, upbeat girl. But I became cynical with Shadduchim. And I make up it's due to the fact that I just was so vulnerable about it. Cynical how? Like, what would you say? Oh, yeah, the guy's probably a jerk. Oh, he's probably a weirdo. Oh, my God, going out with another whatever. And or after the dates, oh, my gosh, that guy was so strange. And as much as it protected my dignity, I had a wonderful, uh, intact suit of armor around me. I'd rather be vulnerable and live with the hope that this guy actually might be the right one. Yes, yes. I really, really like that. I have a friend who wrote an article in The Family First one year. She's actually married now with a kid, thank God, but she was single for a while. And the last line of the article was, and I step out to embrace possibility. And I keep reading that last line. Like before a date, I'm stepping outside of my house right now to embrace possibility. It could be Mr. Right. Okay, this you're saying said, so many amazing things and I'm like trying to like, remember. <laughs> no, because there, there's so much to unpack there. The first thing is that I remember even when we spoke before and you're mentioning it now, is you said that very often when we do that, when we come back from a date, which was like a total bust and we're like, oh my God, this guy, you're never going to believe this story. And we have to tell our family or friends that you're like, we do that as a way of protecting ourselves because we almost mm-hmm. feel like, how could I have been set up with this weirdo? You know, and like, and then we need to talk mm-hmm. about it in order to show how different we are from them. And it's so exactly. true that I think we almost get like insulted and hurt. And I remember you saying that person also child of Hashem. Like there could be a great person, it could just not be for you. And we don't have to rant in rail on them. That was huge for me. It was so huge for me. I remember sitting in the car after the most nightmarish date possible known to mankind. I, I don't like using the word creep, but you know, in that category. Yeah. And I remember saying to myself, Goldie, tonight we're not going to call this guy a creep when I tell my friend Leslie DeVore about the date. I'm not mm-hmm. going to call him a creep. I'm going to call him a child of Hashem. A very not no gaya child of Hashem. <laughs> not no gaya for me. So instead of saying dead on arrival, we call it not yeah. no gaya on arrival. Yeah. It's okay. He's allowed to not be for me. And the Shaffin's allowed to be off the market. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Like, doesn't I will that say that I think I love that approach of like, embracing possibility and and viewing each date with hope and I do have some friends that are great at that for myself I know that's something that's hard I think it's also a form of protection that sometimes we don't want to let ourselves get too excited because that hurts if it doesn't Mm -hmm. work out even though that doesn't 
necessarily really protect us in the end. I just think being hopeful, I think being hopeful is way more important. I just think it's also much harder than being negative. Like it's so much easier to be negative and upset and cynical and go there. Just for myself, I know that it's a constant battle to keep replaying those mantras, those quotes, Mm -hmm. those lines, like, okay, give your, like, it's really hard. It's exhausting. So the the times that we just like want to let it all out, let ourselves have that time, but appropriately. It doesn't have to be the 17 friends. Yeah. And it could be like, one-on-one with one friend without the name. Um, there's, there's a time and place for venting. Um, but I, oh, I still get you. It's so much easier to just call everyone an idiot. And <laughs> it's hard to be hopeful. And that, yeah, the, 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 the biggest fear is like the disappointment of like, maybe it won't happen. Yeah. And, like literally playing a game until the day I die to maybe, maybe, maybe tomorrow. Like it's a rough game. It's a lot more pleasant to be around people that are positive and upbeat yeah. and hopeful. Oh my God, I'm loving talking to you, but we haven't even like gotten okay, halfway through. Okay, fine. So for dating, you mentioned what was difficult. So what shifted for you? Well, yeah, I know you mentioned weight was a huge factor and things being very difficult. So what started to shift? Because you mentioned that a few years ago, things got better. I believe that for myself, I only could work on my weight, which is by the way, a daily battle, if I'm doing it for myself and for my health, not for mm. Shadokim. Maybe somebody else out there is capable of managing their weight for the purpose of Shadokim. I can't because... If I'm doing it for other people, then I'm just going to be resentful. Yeah. I, don't know, I don't know if my task in life in the next X amount of time involves being married. I have no idea. I hope it happens soon. I hope right. it happens this week. But I have no idea. So like to me, I need to do something that's going to benefit me for me. And you know what's so interesting? I you know, lost weight in 2017. And now it's yeah, three years ago. The whole thing about donating my kidney happened you know, a year and a half after that. I could never have been a candidate for kidney donation had I been the weight that I was. That would have been a yeah. risk for diabetes and everything else. And they would have been absolutely not. Keep your kidney to yourself. So I love that approach of doing something from a space of for yourself and for your health. But I am curious, I guess, why you decided to start losing weight if you didn't feel that pressure or you didn't let that outside pressure get to you. What made you start to want to lose weight? I was in Israel, Purim, 2016. And I was speaking to my teacher. I remember just crying to her, a teacher of mine that I'm also close with from seminary, from our, we're so close still today. And I remember just crying to her about the whole like being an overweight girl in Shadokim. And I remember her like, like telling me, Goldie, you're beautiful just the way you are. Like, you know, and if you want to lose weight, do it, but do it for like health purposes. Mm-hmm. And she introduced me to some, like, I called it Goldie's gunk. It was just some mm-hmm. recipe of something rather than some Kabbalist made up. It, it, I, I did lose 10 pounds just doing it. So that motivated me that, oh my gosh, I'm capable of it. Meaning before that, that you didn't think you could lose I, weight? Yeah, yeah, honestly. I mean, doctors actually, when I was a kid, like I remember being like a sixth, seventh, eighth grade kid at 200 pounds. And the doctors mm-hmm. would say to me, like, you know, it's, it's not easy to lose weight. You really have to do it. So I remember hearing those words of like, it's really hard to lose weight and you know, it's gonna be hard for you. And wow. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much, darling doctors. So yeah, that definitely seeing success. And also it came from my teacher who I know loves me, who just told me that, I, that I'm beautiful just the way I am and I don't have to lose weight for Shadokhan. But if I want to, for health, then I could try this cool thing that, you know, curbs your hunger or something. So and then, that, but that's that, not what you stayed with. You're saying you did other things. No, 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 no. I, did, I, did, I, did, I did, that, did that just for like, you know, May, June, July, August. And then I've been down, I don't know, like, I went down from like 197, let's say to 180 something. And then I was like, oh my God, like I actually lost weight. This is so cool. So then I was probably, you know, then I was probably on Instagram and I saw Nutrition by Tanya and I'm like, oh, maybe I could like go my first diet of my life and maybe lose weight. So I did that and I really, Baruch Hashem, lost a lot. And obviously I've, it's been a struggle. So I can't say I kept all the weight off, but at this point I'm, you know, so much further ahead in the whole, in the whole in the whole journey, like, you know, there's definitely a lot been going on in, in the weight loss journey. And 
I'm still on the journey. I think for the rest of my life, it's going to be, it's going to be a, a, a journey, but I, I know I have to focus on the health part of it. It's right. not about Shadokim at all. It never was and it never will be. I do find that food is something which is so constant, you know? So like, how do you right. manage that? So definitely every nutritionist I've been to, which has been like the three or four since 2016, have always incorporated exercise into the routine. Mm -hmm. So definitely my family laughs because I became the most active one in the family. So I, I try to do exercise that I enjoy doing. Okay. So I like, I, I like love it. biking the whole summer. I'm like biking every single day. I enjoy, I, you know, this past summer I've been hiking and I, I discovered pound, which is a certain kind of exercise with, with drumsticks. I love cool. that. I never heard oh of that. Gosh, oh my gosh. Pound, Google it. Pound rock out workout. So you it's found like, ways of like personalizing and making your own of yeah. things you enjoy. Yeah. But I'm definitely, I'm still on a huge journey and my next step in the journey is to discover that whole fantasy I call intuitive eating, which is, I haven't yet gone there yet. What, is, what is intuitive eating? Well, I can't say I know the definition exactly, but my, like listening to, to your body? Yeah, yeah. Because with dieting, a lot of that restriction breeds, you know, binging and wanting the old, yeah. very black and white. It's like, so, you got, so I can't eat any of these bad foods. So the minute that I tuck the cheat, I want to have everything. Yeah. So I want to go, I want, I want to learn that, that beautiful route of, of being able to eat healthy most of the time and still being able to go out with friends for ice cream, pizza, bagels, whatever, in moderation. And not feel like, yeah. okay, so if I'm in cheating mode, let's, let's eat in every restaurant every single day this week. And I remember one of my friends told me before I started dieting, Goldie, I'm just warning you. If you're entering the diet world, you're entering the restriction world, it's not a good place to be. But of course, it, it's, it's a hard balance because, yeah. yeah, we, you know, people that are overweight who want to be healthy do need to be careful with what they're eating, but there's definitely got to be a smarter way to do it. Restriction definitely is challenging. So yeah. when you, so, okay, so once you lost the weight, so Shadokhaim got better or harder? Like yeah, what? yeah. Shadokhaim became so much more normal. You know, like, I do believe that like Hashem has a plan for everyone. I think at any stage of life, you could meet the right person. Mm -hmm. And I guess mm -hmm. it's sad to me that like people only started thinking of you more because of your weight though. That, that's just the way you the know? world works. I make up that if I was healthy and overweight and the doctor said, Goldie, you're fine the way you are. And my rabbi says, Goldie, you're fine the way you are. I could have stayed overweight if that was healthy, which I'm saying it wasn't, but let's say I could have, right? Mm -hmm. And Hashem would marry me off if I meant to get married off. But I, I do think it's important to be in touch with one's rabbi. You know, you saying it's important to get guidance from people, from yeah. you know, from religious leaders and, and medical, yeah. you know, people. Yeah, we don't want to fool ourselves by saying Hashem can marry me off at any stage in life. Therefore, I'm absolved myself of any responsibility to do anything. And that doesn't exactly. mean just wait. That means like there's a lot of personal work. Life. A lot of people have to do in their oh personalities. Gosh, you know, yeah. like speaking from experience. Well, you know, yeah. I remember what, what you said before about at any point in life. I remember a teacher telling me that also that at any point in life I, I could be you know become Hasidish or or leave religion altogether. Hashem could still marry me off. Yeah, for doesn't sure. matter if, I, if you keep growing and keep falling. Hashem will still marry you off. It's like you're meant right. to get married. There will always be a match for you. But I, I my part is to do the best that I can. Hmm. So, but for health in general, I have to do the best that I can. Same way right. if I could have a heart attack any moment, like I can't control what Hashem decides to happen to me, but I could control my part in it. That, this is also <laughs> something I want to bring up is that something you said, which really helped is that you have learned, I think over the years to kind of state your standards. Like once you learn what they are, you like diplomatically will state your standards to people. Like you mentioned it also yes, with yes. people give you advice. Like you, I love how you said this. I'm just going to read it. You're like, everyone has their <laughs> own five ways of what I need to do to change being single. Yes, exactly. Everyone thinks they have this like magic cure of like just listen magic to cure. Exactly. Goldie, I think that you really have to just like, yeah. you know, give the guys a chance. Do you think I don't give the guys a chance? Yeah. The girl you know is not the girl that dates, you know? Right. Or like, you really have to just like show the guys your soft side. What side do you think I show the guys? <laughs> 
<laughs> no, it's true. This is something that Javi actually mentions in her sheer that at your birthday party, which was like, she said, there's always going to be that person that doesn't get it. And people, mm-hmm. they're always going to be that person that says something stupid. So how do you deal with that? So I try to view it that like, I can't change who they are. They are going to be them through and through. Nothing, I, I can't change that. What I have right now is the opportunity to just protect myself and state my boundary. So let's say if someone's trying to write me a shidduch in the middle of a blaring loud wedding, I'll say, thank you so much for thinking of me. I really appreciate it. Here's my phone number. You're welcome to call me at a later point. I want to think if someone recommends yeah. them you at like a wedding or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, at weddings, I don't like to mix them because I'm here. I put in so much effort to be here. I want to be a present for the collar, for the family, shoot to the sisters of the collar, make the little girl feel good. I, I have so much to do at a wedding. We, mm-hmm. we, we booked the night to be there. I feel like it's like turning the attention towards me when the attention right now is meant to be on this kala and the family of the kala. And, was, yeah. and, and remember, we made weddings. Like, it was so meaningful to me when people came over to me and like, I don't know, I want to give, I want to give that attention back. So I just say, I say, thank you. I always say thank you. Thank you for thinking of me. I'm happy to discuss this in a, in a later point. I definitely think that being at Sona Sissimcha can trigger a lot of personal feelings of being like, oh, I'm not here yet. Like I'm at this person's wedding and it can mm-hmm. remind you, you know, and that can be very hard. So I think it's so nice that you were trying your best to be mindful of like, I'm here for this person, not for myself. Some people I think really appreciate people coming over to them, even at a mm-hmm. Simcha. And I, I just like that you were mindful enough to know that I know myself and I know how to communicate to other people what I'm comfortable with. Right. Thank you. I actually do appreciate that they came over to me. I really do appreciate it. Yeah. I'm just not comfortable continuing right the conversation. So I always say, I, that's why I say thank you because I actually truly mean it. I yeah. love being thought about. Same thing with, it's funny, I do the same thing with um, Shabbos invitations. I love that they invite me. It feels so good. It's like, well, it's so nice that they're inviting me. I happen to not want to come, but I always say thank you. I, just say, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to stay home. But I just I say know, nicely. Yeah, and, and stating boundaries, you know, unfortunately in our culture, not, not, not Jewish, I mean in the 2020 culture, we're so busy being polite Boundaries sometimes sound like rejection or like yeah. shutting people down, but really it's not. It's the healthiest way to communicate. Without boundaries, we can't have connection with people. We can't have any kind of relationship with anybody. We can't do anything without boundaries. So speaking about boundaries, I guess, an interesting phenomenon in the singlehood community is that the longer people are single, the harder it is to remain religiously connected. So I'm curious what religious boundaries you put in place for yourself to keep up that connection during this time also. In nursing school, we learned the slowest rate that uh, IV can go just to keep the vein open so that in the future, if they need to suddenly access that IV port, they'll have access. It's, K- it's called KVO, keep vein open. And I loved when I heard that in nursing school because it reminded me of it just, you know, when you come out of seminary, you know, you just spent this whole year with rabbis and teachers and everything, people that inspired you. And like some people may not have any like big issues, quote unquote, to like speak to them about and keep, yeah. keep the access open with them and keep calling and, and keep that connection. Um, but down the line, things will come up. It's important to keep that connection open with the teachers and with the rabbis. So I know for myself, the biggest blessing and the smartest thing I did, because I didn't realize at the time was so smart, was to just keep up that connection with my rabbis and my teachers. One rabbi specifically, Rabbi Ashraf, in seminary, I was close with him and I just kept emailing him and texting him. I remember asking him questions like, you know, we need to practice blood pressures on each other. Am I allowed to do it on you know, the guy in my class, Maishi, or we need to go to the OR for one of our clinicals. We need to wear the short sleeves and the pants that they're making us wear. Am I allowed to wear? Yes, you can. Or like, you know, all those kind of stuff. Then there were certain things that like, you know, are better not to. So it's like, okay, at that stage when I'm 19, 20, you know, I was capable of doing a lot of things that were, you know, better not to. So let's just not do them. Now I can't say I'm on the same level I was then, but. That's interesting. I like that you kept that up. It also sounds like you went to Israel a lot. Every year I just went to Israel. I went to Israel to Davin. It's like, I quote my expensive shul. (laughs) <laughs> and I just go for 10 days, you know, I haven't, haven't gone now in a while because COVID. Um, but every time I went, I always made sure to stop it with my rabbi, you know, just touch base, say hi. He used to bring me in to do a panel in the beginning of years when I feel like I'm 
like the girls will feel I'm at, like too out of touch because like I remember when I was 19 anyone who was like over like 20 and a half was like out of touch you know? <laughs> no it's just true okay, it's yeah. I always tell yeah. my brothers I'm like it's such a different experience when you're a guy I think because it's so normal for guys to go back into yeshivas and just sit there and like learn and I remember when I was in seminary, if girls came from other years for like Rosh Hashanah, everyone was like, who is that? Like, what are they doing? Who is that? What are right. They and it's like, it's like, like it's so birds. sad that that's the environment that like, it's not a, like that as right. similar that thing, makes- right. To just come in and, and hang out. You're known as being like yeah. the older person that like came and dropped by, you know? I, it's funny to say this because I myself am called the quote unquote older single, but I think older singles are scary. It's scary because if, if we had that, if, if we, if this 19 year old actually says, okay, this wonderful girl came to my seminary to chat with us and she was 32 and single, well, maybe that'll happen to me. So I'd rather not mm-hmm. like, I shouldn't really just give such validation that she almost exists and has what to offer. Cause like, it's scary. She's not really like a thing. I, I, I think that's what they say um, when, when we try, whenever we discuss that topic of um, people that try to find fault in singles, I think it purely becomes from that vulnerable place in them that if they can't find a reason by why we're, why we're still single, and God forbid it might actually happen to them or their child. So if they say, oh, no, this is because she blank or he blank, so then that's their fault that so it won't happen to me. It's, it's so true, and, you know. Wildy, because it's funny. I know for myself, there are people that I look up to so much who are single. And I remember I had this conversation with someone. I told them, I'm like, you know, if so-and-so is older and single, how could it possibly be that, like, I'll get married? You know, and you, and you try and find things in your mind of like, oh, it's because of this. It must be because of that. And, and I remember the woman said to me, it doesn't work that way. You can't look at someone and assume that you know what the story is. You can just focus on you. And Hashem has a plan for them. And look at my once their time. And you know, like mm-hmm. we dive for them, keep them in mind, but it's, it doesn't work that this is why they're single. And if I just avoid that, it won't happen to me. Exactly. You know? We're on our own little track, exactly. our own little track. Have you found that your relationship with Hashem has gone through transitions in your dating? So for sure, going back on, you know, being overweight, there were times that was so painful. I used to wonder like, Hashem, do you only care about your skinny daughters? Like, uh-huh. how about, how about, like, yeah, it, it's, it's a real thing. It's a real feeling. If anyone's out there who's listening to this and feels those feelings. It is so normal to feel those feelings. To feel the same way that if a child, you know, sometimes could feel abandonment from a parent if the parent mm-hmm. acts in a certain way. When we're, in a, when we're in an overwhelmed state, it's hard to be so tuned in to those, you know, adult ways of thinking of everything's from Hashem and obviously it's meant to be, da 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 What's your part of it? It's just we, when, we, when we feel overwhelmed, whether we're hormonal, overtired, or just, you know, in a lot of pain, um, we're, we're, we are more childlike and we start going down those rabbit holes of like, you know, do you hate me? And I must be this. And you know, if you don't even care about me, then da, 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 da. And those, those things are all normal. It's all normal to feel that way. For sure. I want to actually go back to the line that you said before about when you said, Hashem, do you only think about your skinny daughters? Because hearing you say that line, it just spoke right to my heart. I can't explain it. It, it there are really times when we can feel that way. And I also think depending on the person, you can really just swap out skinny for any adjective that you feel not good enough from, you know, and that can make you feel distant and makes us question, you know, Hashem, what about me? Are you forgetting about me? Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's painful to feel like, but Hashem, you created me. It's like confusing, yeah. Hashem. Hashem, decide your stuff. Like, but, you know, what gets me out of that is, first of all, to accept that when I'm feeling that way, it's normal to feel that way. And let myself get it all out. Say mm-hmm. it, say it, cry it out. Like let myself tantrum. I view it the same way if I had a child in my room tantruming. While the child's, t- child's tantruming, 
It's not the time to do any chinuch. He's it's not going to hear you. Yeah, yeah. Like, exactly. There's nobody home. Just be present, <laughs> be loving, and, yeah. and let, let him cry it out. At a later time when he's more rational, right, then we would sit and, and validate the pain and then talk about what kind of ideas, you know, could we, what, 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 what could help us for the future and talk it out and, and get, and, and then it always makes sense when you're, you know, after you slept, when you're not crying anymore, when you're not as overwhelmed. I guess like what recenters me and reconnects me at, after I feel like far from Hashem or in, at any point in my career was more like recognizing that it's temporary and I'm going to feel better soon and we'll deal with this tomorrow. And I'll do that with a friend as well. When a friend yeah. feels overwhelmed, and I always say, don't, don't make any impulsive decisions when you're overwhelmed or if yeah. you're tired. You know, wait till tomorrow. We'll discuss it again. One of your questions that you were that you wanted to focus on was, um, you know, what keeps me connected to Hashem? And when I feel like you know far from Him or whatever, looking out for His hand in my daily life consistently um, really keeps me connected to Him. Wow. And and not only that, jotting them down every now mm. and then on my log. And also sharing them with other people, as, as zany as they are, or as simple as they are. I have a friend of Aura, she knows good and well. If she gets a voice note from me, it's, it's, it's something exciting, you know. Yeah. And just to share these stories, like, you know, oh my gosh, Hashem was so cute, or Hashem was so awesome, or Hashem was so cool, or Hashem was so just to humor. Oh my gosh. Just to share those stuff, because that keeps me, it just keeps me going. It's like, oh, Hashem is real in my life. It's funny because I will talk about this, but I, I found that in dating for myself, my relationship with Hashem has gone through a lot you know, in terms of my own amuna, in terms of my own feeling connected. And I found that through making that list, you can see that there's so many areas of your life where you realize Hashem is really looking out for me. And this area isn't any different. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm going to understand mm-hmm. why it hasn't filled in yet, but look at all the other places where like exactly. it has filled in, mm-hmm. like, you know, so I think that's important for perspective, but um, I really appreciate you opening up and, and sharing that with us. So. Sure, sure. I told you, it's one small part of my life, but it definitely has lots of emotions attached to it. Wow. Okay. So shifting gears now, can you talk to us a little bit about your kidney donation? Like, first of all, what inspired you to even do that? Well, you got to keep things exciting when you're single, right? <laughs> yeah, but there's, <laughs> that's pretty exciting. Um, what inspired me? Honestly, my brother, my brother was t- telling me that he was thinking of doing it. And so he just like said it in passing. And I'm like, kidney donation? I want to do that. It does not scare, no, none of the things in the kidney donation process scared me. Not a yeah. single thing. Actually, one thing scared me in the entire process. One thing, the having to like possibly need a lot of help after surgery, like that possibility freaked the living daylights out of me. Oh no, I live on my own. I don't want to take from people. I don't want to have to like Be have people help. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like super independent. And you know what? Because I knew that that's like my biggest challenge. I'm like, Goldie, this is the greatest thing for you to do. Get yourself into a place where you're vulnerable and have to take from other people and let your friends mm-hmm. who are dying to give to you, give back. Like, yeah. you know what? It, as annoying and hard and whatever it is, it, it, it really helped me. Like to be able to, like a, a girl I wasn't even close with at the time said, Goldie, I want to give you supper. I would never let anyone make me supper. But I, I realized she wants to be part of this journey. She's yeah. not donating her kidney, but she wants to help you donate your kidney. Yeah. Let her make me dinner. Or like, like, you know, a friend called me. There's so many people that helped me along the way, but that was the hardest part the hardest part. So initially I'd asked my rabbi and he emailed his rabbi who answered back, not a smart thing. You have enough things against you in Shadduchim. Like why, why add something else to the list that people don't understand? Like the world doesn't really know about kidney donation. It just sounds bizarre. So I forgot about it. And I forgot about it. I just pushed it out of my mind because I got it. You were, were you upset by that response? I was, I was like, why not? Also, I, I remember like arguing back, like, so I don't care if they don't understand. So yeah, it was upsetting. So I just like moved on. And two years later, I remember I was just in a hard place, like emotionally. And I just remember like 
I wanted to give, I wanted, I was like that, that, that yearning to like nurture life outside of myself, the same kind of nurturing, the same kind of desire for nurturing that people have like, to have kids. Like they want to just yeah. bring, you know, continuity and then pass on. And I, you know, I'm a nurse and I would save a life. I don't care whose life it is, whether they're Jew or Gentile, but in terms of the name of my kidney, I want to give a kidney to somebody who's going to pass on Torah life, like the kind of life that I lead. Since I said I'm going to revisit the topic. So I went back to the email from two years before and I replied and I said, just revisiting this topic as, <laughs> as fresh as it sounds. I really, really want to donate my kidney. I think it'll mean a lot just to add, do something meaningful, something tangibly meaningful. And my rabbi said, Goldie, if it means so much to you, I think you can go ahead with it. And I went ahead and called Renewal, which is the organization that matches up donors and recipients, people that want to give a kidney and people that need a kidney. They sent me a, a little kit and I did, got my blood taken. And then I went down and did a day of testing in January of 2019 um, in Montefiore Hospital. And after that whole day, then I'm in their system. And they'll tell me, we'll give you a call when there's a match. And, and, then, and then a match actually came up. Um, it was an older guy who was in his 60s, and, but he wasn't ready for surgery yet. I went to, I went to Shavuos in Israel. Anyway, I came back from Israel and this guy got a kidney from somewhere else. I felt mm. so let down. It was like, seriously? <laughs> but that was my match. But then, then of yeah. course, I was so happy for him because like, it was a better yeah. match. So rather than have a better match. And then I have to go back into the whole Shadokham thing again. Oh, Shadokham. No, but it is. You're again. getting set up. It so is. It's somebody a match. else. Yeah. As my, by the way, as my, as my mom loves to say, Goldie, I was praying and praying for you to find a match. I just didn't think it would come in the form of a kidney. <laughs> like, mommy, you keep that. praying. Um, so yeah, then, so then I, again, I, I, it was pretty, a pretty let down feeling that I didn't have a, a recipient. And I stopped praying for it. I just felt so overwhelmed by it. I was like, maybe, I don't know. I, I, like, should I keep praying for it? Like, it's just draining me. Like, just the whole hope thing, right? Like, mm-hmm. I just like, hey, I also, I guess part of me is like, like, am I doing it for the right reasons? I guess I got a little confused. And the way that I knew that I was doing it for the right reasons and that it's the right thing and that this is like the best thing I could ever do is when the phone call came in, but I burst out crying. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. This is everything I ever wanted. I'm thinking, and I'm like, whoa, you can't have this, re- this reaction if you don't want to donate your If kids. you don't really mean it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I knew that that was the proof that was true. And I was grateful that I had that reaction because I, I guess I wanted that like affirmation that like this is really coming from a healthy, good place. Yeah. So yeah, when they called me, they said it's a 36-year-old mother of six. Wow. The baby was a year and a half years old. She literally made a bar mitzvah that like a week, a week or two before. That's so nice. You know? Wow. You know, there's a single girl who reached out to me right after I donated three weeks later and said that she wants to donate. And I gave her my entire experience, all dramatically. And she donated right after me. Wow. It like, meant a lot. It was so special. And another interesting thing, my rabbi, who initially never heard of kidney donation, he said, I put the idea into his head. And then he saw a sign hanging in Israel about a woman that needed a kidney. He tested. He donated right after me as well. And wow. So much, yeah, Rabbi, Rabbi who originally like yeah, kind of yeah. told you yeah. no. Yeah, yeah. Rabbi Ashra. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So it's really near yeah. the that so many people like started doing it. That's my goal to normalize it. I only donated because it was normalized. On Renewal's Instagram, all these people were posted and normalized it. I'm not yeah. strange. Somebody else wants to do it and it's the right thing for them. They should really go for it. It's a really wonderful experience. Like you would do oh, it again. Yeah, yeah. I was, oh my gosh, in a heartbeat. I wish mm-hmm. I had a million more kidneys to get. I'll do this once a year. That's so incredible. It's, it's definitely hard. I mean, there's giving of yourself and then like you're actually physically, you know, giving of yourself. So um, it was the most beautiful thing I've been able to do this year. The most beautiful thing, which is why I said, I want, I want to do it again a million times over the way that Hashem is enabling me to do that is they give me other opportunities to give life to others. So, which is why I agreed to do this interview. No, I'm so <laughs> happy that you did it. I'm really sorry. Other things I've been did. doing also, like I just other ways of giving life, giving life to people through being present, through being able to give support, However, I can do it using my house for, you know, sharing yeah, people that need it. And yeah, yeah. That's awesome.
Okay, well, I'd really love to just wrap up with talking about your 30th birthday party. As we, you know, we introduce every episode and as I explained to you when we first met is that a big theme and the main goal of this podcast, in addition to expressing the difficulties that come with being single, which we spent a lot of time before doing and was really meaningful. So thank you. But it is also to kind of go through helpful tips and learn different ways of making it meaningful and fun. And when I heard about this birthday party you did, which you coined a 30th and thankful, I loved that. And it sounded like just an awesome experience. So maybe you could just share with us a little bit about what that entailed and and how it works. I don't even know people did this. I don't know if people do this and I hope people start to do this. How's that? I hope so. It's such a nice idea. Like I'm thinking for myself, like for next year's birthday, I'm like, that's a beautiful idea and I love it. So tell us what it is. Six months before my birthday, I was taking a walk, a beautiful walk. And I was thinking that I'm going to be turning 30 in six months from now. And people view big numbers like 30 and 40, right? Big numbers. Like they're scary and they're overwhelming, frightening. It's extra frightening because I'm still single and 30. Like what could be worse than being single and 30? It's like, you know, very depressing. And I wanted to remove negativity from the whole like older age thing. I wanted to infuse it with positivity. I wanted to inspire myself, inspire others. Do something that I could just like inject this new age with something phenomenal. Yeah. So I thought about what I want to do. I don't know what I'm going to want to do, but I want to bring Heidi Garfinkel into it. So I called her up right then in the summer. I told her that I want to do a 30 and thankful kind of idea. I don't know if I had the name 30 and thankful yet coined, but something like that. I want her to just speak to us, not about Shadokim, just about being single and, you know, how to stay, you know, positive and focused on just on the fact that singlehood has purpose. Yeah, marriage. That marriage isn't you know it's not, not about marriage. Nothing to do with marriage. Just you know because because in I know I don't know about you know everyone's circles, but in our circles, shidduchim is very highlighted, and to it's it's important, but it's it it it's given way too Overshadows. much. Overshadows. Yeah, it's given a lot yeah, of airtime, over, and it's yeah, it, yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I threw a party. Um, my friend uh, party planned it for me because I don't know how to do that kind of stuff. I had a whole wonderful spread in my kitchen. I had all my friends here in the living room. My friends and their friends came also, and even some of my married friends snuck in. And totally appreciated this year because, as I said, whatever Chevy says is valuable to any to any anybody who listens yeah. to it. She gave a great muscle. If great. someone wants to go to the Grand Canyon, their goal is to get to the Grand Canyon. And if they want to go to the Grand Canyon in a convertible, then that's great. And they should keep trying to get that convertible. But if they go to the first rental place and they don't have any convertibles, they just start their trip in whatever car they do get. And then at every opportunity, they go to an Avis car rental and say, do you have the convertible that I want? And keep trying to get the car, but they should still continue on their path towards the Grand Canyon because their their goal is the Grand Canyon. She was saying that you know marriage is one of the vehicles to serve God, but the goal like it, it shouldn't like stop us. Like we still have so many other ways to get to the Grand Canyon. Being God. the Grand Canyon being the goal is ultimately we're here to serve Hashem. Serve God so, exactly and to work yeah. on ourselves and not to lose sight. Yeah. I love that that she was saying like not to lose sight of the bigger picture, just because the vehicle that we want to get there in isn't available at the time. You know exactly. Another point she said, which she said in many other speeches, which I always love, is that we're all on our own track, racetrack. So we, we we can't compare apples to oranges. It's like two different. You know, I don't know if her track looks like a squiggly zigzag or whatever mine is like a bad so she got married too i'm not there i'm different game. which is so which is so hard yeah. i think especially with friends is that it gets so easy to to compare and to say oh you know it happened for them but it's true we have to sometimes learn to separate that like i'm only on my own track and mm-hmm. how it works out for someone else is completely different yeah, for has. sure to me i would never give up my single years for anything in the world i i love every single minute of what i've been through the past 10 years in Shadokim. I, I know I mentioned this to you earlier, like I view time as a special gift. Yeah, and every sure. moment that I'm here in single, I'm able to 
become something I never could have become once I was married. Once I was married, when you're married, you're a whole different dynamic. And I believe that once I'm married, each moment that I will be worth so much more because of the effort that I'm putting into becoming the best person I could possibly be. I think if we view singlehood as an opportunity to cash in on, it could be such a special experience in seminary. I know I paid my, I paid for my own seminary basically, but mostly mm-hmm. out of my own money. And people said to me like, how do you, how do you pay for something you didn't know was going to be, like, if you didn't know how good it would be, how do you pay for it? Like, how do you know, why do you put it? I said, because I paid for it, I'm going to make the best of each day because I already yeah. paid for it. And, uh, and I agree with you. I think you take that into marriage too, that marriage will be that much sweeter. When Murtisham very soon, you will meet that person mm-hmm. and you're going to be like, okay, like I enjoyed my time and I know how much I wanted this and I get to enjoy it now that I have it, yeah. you know? Well, what I usually like to end with is a funny dating story. So if you can brace Okay. If the 10% battery on my phone will allow Oh my God. Okay. So we'll go quick. (laughs) Okay. So there was a guy that brought me to a hotel in Red Bank, New Jersey, because it was the the hotel where they charge you like 20 bucks to walk in. So like no one really goes there. It's expensive. Because it's too expensive. Oh yeah. yeah, 20 bucks to walk in for sure. So the only people that were there besides for all the non-Jews that were there was one Jewish couple, a married couple, minding their own business, doing their own thing in the other corner of the room. We had our lovely date. It wasn't so lovely. It was a second date. I Meaning it was a wonderful person, but like it's not, like it wasn't, it was a regular second date going nowhere. Both of us were going to say no after this date. We leave the hotel. We're going to the car. It was one of those really cold nights. The windows were all fogged up and someone had gotten to the back window and done mazel tov, congratulations, oh balloons, <laughs> you know, fireworks, all decorated with their finger, right? And obviously the only person that can know Mazel Tov in this entire area is that was one the couple Jewish in the couple. hotel. Jewish couple, which neither of us knew who they were. That's so he so looks at me and he's funny. like, oh, so that was your friend? And I'm like, no, was it your friend? He's like, no. And the whole way home in the car, he's like, you know, going over this story. Like, oh my gosh, like, who was that? Was he a guy in BMG who like knows me, thought it's funny. And we just like ended like stalemate. Like we have no clue who that couple is. It was awkward. Have a wonderful night. Three days later, I am in Lakewood on Clifton Avenue and a lady's rummaging in her car looking for her cell phone turns to me who I'm just walking down the street. She's like, excuse me, can I borrow your phone to call my cell phone so I can find my cell phone? I said, sure. And as she's dialing, I'm looking at her and I'm like, no. I said, weird question. Were you that couple in Red Bank three nights ago? She's oh like, gosh. yeah, and you're the engaged couple? I'm like, no, 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 we weren't the engaged couple. She's like, what do you mean? I saw your ring. I'm like, this is my ring. So till today, we don't know. Is it because I was wearing two rings, one on each hand, and she saw a ring on my left hand and then said, okay, she's engaged? Or or is it because my ring, one of the rings, has four tiny diamonds that from far looks like one big diamond? Right. We don't know. Unless we meet the girl lady again, you know, we don't know the rest of the story. But um, so she's funny. thought we were engaged. And therefore, so I explained to her very nicely that the guy was very embarrassed about it. And he, you know, did not appreciate that kind of humor. Maybe in the future she wants to, like, you know, confirm the engagement prior to decorating someone else's car. <laughs> were you insulted by it? Like, how did you? Totally not. I got the biggest kick out of it. I thought it was adorable. I was, like, That's 23, so 24. Funny. I thought it was the cutest thing ever. I call it stories with a part two. Like, it had, like, so a funny. You know, postscript. I love postscripts. So that's really funny. <laughs> that was no, cool. that's a good one. Thank you for yeah. sharing that. Goldie, it's been really Thank neat you so much for all your time. Meet you, know you, and I'm sure we'll hopefully stay in touch. Thank you so much for your time yeah. and for sharing You're the You're so welcome. If I even too. inspire one person who might even be myself, this is all worth it. <laughs> Thank you so much. Have of a course. wonderful night. Thank you. Have a great night. Take care, Zava. <laughs> Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this episode and gained from it. Goldie also wanted me just to leave her contact information. If anyone after hearing this episode has questions about kidney donation, 
is curious about the process does not mean that you're committing in any way. She's more than happy to speak to you and meet with you to talk about the process and what it entails and answer any questions you might have about it. So I'll be sure to include her contact information in the show notes as well. Also feel free to follow us on Instagram at singledout613 where I can keep you updated on new episodes that come out. And you can also take part in polls that I post about future episode ideas. So feel free to reach out to us on that and have a great rest of your day.